Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Kent Estee. Kent Estee is a citizen of the White Earth Nation of Ojibwe in northeastern Minnesota. Kent's lineage includes many self-taught artists where black ash basketry, beading, birch arc basket, and fiber artistry were everyday occurrences in his home. Kent's preferred art form is painting with oils, acrylics, and inks. His paintings reflect his feelings and emotions through his use of color and movement on canvas. Kent says, a lot of the time, the art happens by listening to my feelings. The colors, movements, and elements all fall into place, creating something beautiful and intimately meaningful. Some of his most recent work incorporates rock, metal, and collage on canvas and board. Kent's work has been exhibited in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Bemidji, Grand Rapids, Duluth, Wapiton, North Dakota, and other regional exhibitions and galleries in Minnesota. Kent was awarded the Region 2 Arts Council Artist Fellowship for 2022-2024 and is serving as board chair for the Monoman Arts Initiative on the White Earth Reservation. Kent has been an educator for most of his life, living, working in his hometown, Nottawash, Minnesota. It was great to be able to sit down and share some time with Kent and really hear his story, which is, which is a story that is a little bit unique from the rest of the guests that we've had on this series, and you're going to find out why. And I'm really excited to be able to uh, share this conversation with you that I had with Kent. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Kent Esty. Ken Esty, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plane Questions. Uh, how are you doing today? I am. I'm doing good, Joe. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me here today. It's it's really great having you here. Um, would you be able to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and what it is that you do. Well, Buju, Anin, hello. Um, I'm Kent Esty, and. Uh, First thing that pops into my mind is that I'm a retired educator because that's that's one of the newest uh, transitions in my life. Um, but the best part of that is now that I now I get to be a full time artist. Um, I call myself a, a contemporary landscape artist. I've always painted. I painted for. It feels like. Uh, Six all of my sixty-three years <laughs> painting or dabbling with paint in some way, shape, or form. Um, I'm an enrolled member of the White Earth Nation of Ojibwe, from northwestern Minnesota, and I live in this uh, smack dab in the middle of our reservation, um, in the little village of uh, Natawash, and uh, and I've lived there my whole life. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't really gone anywhere. Um, it's not that I haven't been anywhere, but <laughs> as far as I've been one of the fortunate people to be able to, to live, um, and work right within my own community and work with my own people and my 
own children right here in Natawash my entire life. So I actually live on the same piece of property that I grew up on. So I've been here for 63 years. So, you know, I'm I'm really, really lucky. You know, I, I consider that some may think that that's misfortunate, but uh, no, I consider that a joy, you know, because what's better? What what is what better in life than to be able to work with your own people, you know, and um, and hopefully make some impact as an educator. So this is where I am. And, and I don't think there's plans of us going anywhere else. So uh, we're pretty grounded here <clears throat> in Natawash on the reservation. The, um, you know, we uh, first became acquainted, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, through an art, um, an annual art fair at the, the Plains Art Museum. Mm-hmm. And your your setup is sort of famously at the stairs now. We, we have you in that cafe area uh, whenever we have that. Yeah. And that's that's going to be where it's going to be at. Oh, that's <laughs> great. We love it there. Lots of space, lots of room. Yeah, and that's absolutely been, that's been really a fun experience because uh, a lot of times we don't get to the Fargo area, um, and so uh, you know it's been really interesting to introduce um, my work to that area, and it's it's really important and and it's been uh, been well received. So we always look forward to that that event. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us. It's been great. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of that. So let's let's talk about influences. Um, okay. you know, early on, we have our uh, family and community um, influences. And as time moves on, um, you know, there are, there are other influences that come into our life. And so, yeah, I guess my general question is, uh, what, what are your biggest influences? Well, <clears throat> I think the... The artist, the one artist that probably has had the most influence on my work is George Morrison. And it, and I'll probably come back around to that. But I want to make sure I want to I want to make sure I say that right off the bat so that I do come back to that because it's important. Sometimes I forget that. But I think uh, growing up, my uh, biggest influences were my parents and my grandparents. Um you know, when you grew up in my home, you were probably, I was the youngest of seven, big family. Um, and you were probably going to be some type of maker, some type of artist. You know, it's just, it's just what we did. Um, we grew up poor. Um, we didn't know it. You know, no one was telling us we were poor and we were just like everybody else in in our neighborhood. So, you know, we didn't know anything different. But thinking about it now, and recently I was uh, walking our driveway with my niece and we were talking about growing up and she's an artist as well. And I said, you know, I said we could uh, we can get lost in talking about growing up poor and being impoverished, I said, but let's talk about, I said, when you really think about it, we were rich. 
And she looked at me and I said, you know, think about that. All the things that we learn how to do um, because of proximity or, or wherever. I said our nearest, our nearest uh, uh, large town would be Detroit Lakes or Bemidji, which are 50 miles away. And I said, so we grew up learning things like plumbing and carpentry and elect being an electrician and uh, raising animals. We raised horses and, and we learned, uh, we were in the garden all the time. Um, my parents, both my parents were master gardeners. And so we learned not only about the vegetables, but the beauty of flowers, the importance of flowers. Um, you know, we, my dad was a, he did so many different jobs. Um, and he was a mechanical genius, I would say. I mean, he could, he was an inventor and he would weld things and build things out of steel and wood that, that, you know, are just amazing. If he needed, you know, why buy a snowblower when you can build one yourself? You know, that was his thinking. And um, my brothers and I, we grew up, um, we grew up with my dad building his motorcycles and go-karts and, and um, uh, like, uh, even he even turned a, an axle of a car upright and he welded a uh, a beam across the top that held two swings. And so we had our own little carnival ride right within our yard. And the neighbor kids would come and, you know, how cool is this? You know, you've got your own uh, electrical swing in your yard, you know? And so he was always building things and teaching things, you know, to us. And, and um, we didn't have to, we didn't feel... Um, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything because there was always something to do right at home. And, um, and we would also, uh, in the summers, we would do a lot of gathering. Of course we do, you know, we grew up hunting and fishing and we live in the woods. And so we're hunting and fishing and gathering all the time, seasonal gatherings, but also in the spring, we would do a lot of, um, a birch bark work and as a child I remember making birch bark baskets and and um, birch bark canoes and we would sell those to you know small canoes not the big <laughs> not the big ones but uh the small canoes that and we would sell them to Itasca State Park because that's only about 18 miles away from us and they would sell those as souvenirs and I remember making, uh, one summer making um, hatchets, little wooden hatchets, you know, out of wood. And then you'd, you, we'd go out in the woods and we'd get a stick of some sort. We'd whittle that down and that would be the, you know, to hold the hatchet. And then we'd stick feathers in it. And then <laughs> a little, uh, probably a little um, leather, you know, on it. And then we would we would burn in the Itasca State Park logo in that, and then we would sell those to the state park. 
you know, mm. and and I'm sure they probably sold him as authentic Indian, you know, something for <laughs> others. <laughs> but it was, you know, doing those types of things as a kid. I mean, you you learned a, a, an important and, and good uh, work ethic. You know, you you felt you were important in the family because what you were creating and helped create was, you know, feeding your, your family and your brothers and sisters. And, you know, we didn't think about, we really didn't think about, should we be doing this or not? It was, no, this is a way to make money. And, you know, my dad always had a way of coming up with interesting ways to make money. Um, my mother, uh, she was an amazing seamstress. It's unbelievable uh, what she could sew. She worked in um, these factories. Natawash at one time had a clothing factory, and it um, it they 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 made smocks. And I don't know, you know, if you've seen the, you certainly wouldn't see them today, but they were just uh, 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 dressing over your clothing, whether you were cooking or working or whatever, they made these smocks and they made them by the thousands. And, and I remember her, you know, working uh, after I went to school and, you know, spending a full day there and she would come home and, and you could smell her coming into the house because of the cigarette smoke that they, you know, <laughs> they would smoke, they would let the women smoke, but also the fabric, the smell of that fabric just permeated her clothing and, you know, and the chemicals I'm sure that they used, you know, were, were so strong, but she would work all day in, in these conditions and then she'd come home and then she would go back to her sewing machine and she would sew our clothes and she would mm. sew jackets for her grandkids and, and, you know, she could, she could sew anything. So we grew up, we grew up um, being able to learn all these things. And I knew how to sew. By the time I was in seventh grade, I could sew, I could sew my own jacket. You know, I mean, these are things we were just taught. It was, it was important, you know, that we learned these things. Um, so, you know, we may have grown up poor, but like I said, we grew up rich, you know, and, we learned so many things. And um, my father, my father was a product of the, of the boarding schools. His, his mother died when he was young and the family split up. And the only other option, well, only option was to go to a boarding school. And so he ended up going to Pipestone. And he had good things to say about Pipestone because they taught them so many things. You know, but I asked him once, I asked him, I said, Dad, if it was such a great place, how come you kept running away? And he didn't answer that. He couldn't answer that. You know, he just wanted to talk about the good and the positive and, you know, but, but I'm sure there was a lot of trauma there that he experienced too, you know. Um, but he, he, he really didn't want to talk about, you know, about those things. Um, so um, my parents definitely, 
were influences um, because they were always creating and making something from nothing. My dad would say, just walk outside. Just walk outside. Just walk in those woods. What are you doing in the house? He could never understand that. You know, we grew up at a time where if you were in the house, you were sick. That was the only time you really were in the house. <laughs> Otherwise, you were outside, you were in the woods, you were, you were fishing, you were hunting, you were gathering, you were building something, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we made these baskets. We made, one time he had a shoe repair business, he had a sawmill, um, you know, all these things. Um, and we had lots of music in our lives. So we grew up... Um, we grew up, either you learned how to play the piano or you learned the guitar or mandolin or uh, we had a harp, harp at one time. Um, you know, they, it was just part of, of, of what we did as a family and music was a big part of that. Um, my grandmother, my grandmother, Josephine Robinson, Warren Robinson, she, um, she became a, a, she was a huge, um, influence in my life. She, she grew up on the reservation when this reservation was new. She was one of the first families that moved to the Natawash area. Um, and, and they lived on the, the banks of the North Twin Lake. And she, um, she, she was a basket maker and she, she became famous, I guess, um, in her seventies, her late seventies. Um, by that time she had been making baskets for, you know, 50, 60 years almost. And, um, by this time, the, presidents and senators had received her baskets and she was being acknowledged at the Smithsonian. Um, and, you know, I, I remember growing up um, and, and listening to her stories and going to her house, which is always such a treat, um, but it was always the same. And maybe that's why I liked going because it was all, you could expect this you know, this experience. And it was her sitting at her table with her tea and she was making a basket. She was always <laughs> weaving black ash baskets. That's just what she did. And talk about that persistence in your art. To be able to do that for how many years and just making, you know, these beautiful baskets. Um, she, you know, she grew up here in, in, in her community. And, the, and, and that was at a time where the only option was boarding school. So she ended up going, um, she ended up attending three boarding schools over a lifetime. Um, she ended up going to, um, she started in Whiter and then um, she moved to Pipestone. And then from there, she ended up um, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, one of the huge boarding schools she was I, I looked up some of her records which you can do by the way 
um, you can look up um, information if they, you know, if they've digitized it. Um, and she was um, student number 3,958 or something like that, you know. And in, in there, you'll see, you'll see letters that, you know, her parents were writing to the school and begging them to let her please come home for the summer. Please let her come, you know. Hmm. Um, you know, just these, these sad little letters, you know, um, um, are there. Um, so uh, it's important. I'm glad this, the, I don't have the website right now, but I'm glad that that's available today. Um, so she ended up going through these three boarding schools. And when she came back to Natawa, she tells the story of everything was different. That her land was gone, that it sold it underneath her, that she weren't supposed to be able to do. Her parents' land was gone. She said the language was gone. And she said all the, all the, the community celebrations and, and all of that was, was gone. And she told the story of how her cousin was so excited because one of the bankers from the Wabin area had come and he told her to open up her apron. And she opened up her apron and he threw in all this money, gave her all this cash for her land. And she thought she was leasing her land, but she wasn't. And um, she she recalled talking to her, her cousin and, and and it was $100. It was $101 bills that he put in her apron. And so that's how she lost her, her allotted land. And, uh, hmm. you know, my grandmother said it, it was, you know, people thought that they were leasing their land. They didn't know that they were selling it, you know. And, of course, a lot of them didn't speak English. When my grandmother left the reservation, all she spoke was Ojibwe. You know, when she came back, it was, all it was, was English. You know, so, um, and then in the process, um, my my mother never learned the language. My father could speak some, but uh, anyway. So she, um, when she returned to Natawash, she, there was a woman that, that uh, was at the Episcopal Church. She was uh, from an Ojibwe from Canada, and she invited her to follow her in the woods. And she showed her the process of finding the the black ash, the the best black ash tree. And I asked my grandma, I "said You really followed this woman in the woods with an axe? And you didn't? <laughs> you really did that? You were that trusting?" <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so you know, she spent some time with her, and over a week's period of time, she showed her the entire process of finding the right tree to, you know, to stripping the bark, to pounding the splints, to you know, to um, splitting the splints, dying, and then finally getting to weave a basket. And um, and that's what she did the rest of her life, you know. Mm. And um, she, she never 
she was a, a wonderful example in persistence. Um, and she was also a wonderful example of resilience. Because I don't know if how I would do, you know, being pulled from your home and losing everything that you had once known. And she recalled her life um, as a young child growing up in Natawash um, on this new reservation. She said, this, she said, it was a beautiful life because she said everything was so spiritual and everything was so clean and we took care of each other and we took care of things and we ne we were careful not to put anything in the water and we were careful with all of nature and we understood all of that and she said then to be pulled away from that and be called a heathen she said was she said, I don't know of, of any native person who doesn't believe in, in the spirits. She said, that's who, that's who we are. We believe in the creator and the great spirit. She said, we're not heathens, you know? And she said, but that's how we were treated. She said, you know, we were beat because we, could, we couldn't speak English and we were beat because, um, you know, we spoke our language. And um, so I don't know how I would have done um, in being able to come out of that and, um, and not, um, and still be, and still do what she did, still raise a family, you know, a beautiful family. And um, she wasn't bitter at all. You know, it just was um, make these beautiful baskets and, and, when I think about it, Joe, I think that is her greatest, her, the greatest reaction to this whole situation was by being able to take all those experiences, all that loss, and then turn them into something beautiful that she did every day and she focused on every day with those baskets and those beautiful baskets. And so I think she had the final ta-da, you know. <laughs> you can take all this other stuff, but you can't take this beauty, you know, from me, you know. And, yeah. and then for her to be able to share that with others, um, you know, is, was really, really powerful. Do you have uh, her, some of her baskets currently? Oh, yeah, we do. We do. We have quite a few. Mm. And um, so I have, in my family, I have uh, four generations, four generations of black ash basket makers. So she taught, she taught my father, and then my father taught my brothers, and my brothers taught their kids. So, you know, we still have, we just lost a brother not long ago, just over a year ago, it was a fantastic amazing artist black ash basket maker so hopefully his grandchildren are now interested in in the the artistry so hopefully um you know that's going to happen as we don't want to lose that we don't want to lose that and there's very few black ash basket makers you know whether it be 
you know, them finding materials is extremely hard today, you know, but um, hopefully, um, you know, it's an artistry that we won't lose, but it's a lot of work. People don't, until they get into it, people don't realize that, you know, you've got 40 hours of work even before you start weaving. So hmm. not everyone's up for that challenge. Hmm. Yeah. But, you know, we've got a long, long, uh, I've got a long, long history of, of, of black ash, black ash basketry in my family. I've made them. I made them, but it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was always I was always the painter. So <laughs> well, I mean you you have uh, your siblings to carry that on Yeah, your family. So yeah, that's, that's right. Cool. What was uh if you don't mind me asking, what was your brother's name? Clyde. The, yeah, Clyde, Clyde. Esty. Yeah, Clyde Esty okay. uh, Jr. And then we had Clyde Esty Sr. who was uh who was a black ash basket maker too and um he was honored, my father was honored with the First Peoples uh, Culture, Community, Celebration, something. The first year First Peoples came out and, and awarded mm. Culture Bearers Awards. He was one of the 10 that were awarded that year for his basketry. Wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of baskets and... Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it, I was always, I always knew, I always knew that I wanted to paint, you know, it was there from, there from the very, I think from the very beginning, you know, but you live in, when you live in Natawash and you're out in the woods and, and there's no resources. I mean, there's certainly no dollar store around, <laughs> you know, even to buy cheap paints, you know, <clears throat> there's, it was tough. You know, we had the musical instruments and the tools, but getting, you know, getting, buying art supplies, that was, um, that was pushing it, you know, because there were so many other needs, you know, in the family. So, um, so it, you know, I had to be very inventive. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about your career as a painter. What, you know, with with uh, your background and your family's um, uh, all that they did. What was it about painting that drew you in that direction? And <clears throat> how, I mean, long story short, but long story, please. Uh, what what brought you from there to here? Well. <clears throat> Maybe I was just tired of working with birch bark <laughs> or <laughs> making souvenirs for Idaho State Park. I don't know what that was. Um, or, you know, because everyone else was making baskets. I don't, I don't know what that was. But all I knew, I mean, my all I remember, I remember this as... as clear as if it were yesterday i mean i had to be five or six and i went to our barn we have this old barn on our property and and um you know and i found this old pail and i had this i found a brush i don't know it was an old i we called it a barn brush a big big bro, you know big thing 
for painting uh, houses. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember, what am I going to use for paint? And, and so I thought, well, look at all this. You know, I've got mud here and there's clay and there's sand and there's all this dirt. So that, that was my paint. And I remember mixing that up with that great big brush, you know, just stirring it, stirring it, mixing. Okay, this is good. This, this looks like blue painting. I started to paint it. And I remember, honestly, <laughs> I remember that I could see the colors. I, 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 you know, I would tell myself, okay, this is, this is red and put this on. No. This is green. And now I'm going to apply that. This is, this is blue. You know, I know I can see blue. That's, yes, that's the blue I want, you know, and, and putting and painting the side of our barn. And then, you know, and being able to see that back then and, and thinking, what, what, what would it be like to see real art? You know, even back then, even five, six years old, thinking, will I ever be able, will I ever be able to go someplace to see a real painting besides what I had in our home, which are probably, you know, the dogs playing cards and <laughs> something like that, you know, um, <laughs> the end of the trail or, or something, you know, those are the yep, ones. Yep. Had. So, you know, and, but I thought, you know, Kent, that's, I also at the same time remember thinking, but remember where you live and being that age, realizing I only live here. There isn't a museum. There isn't a place to go. You know, and not being able to think beyond that, uh, that was kind of devastating at the same time, you know, thinking of those things. Um, thank goodness. Um, I loved art in, in elementary school. And um, thank goodness my sister, who uh, worked for the Bureau, and she ended up in Washington, D.C., um, she sent for me over a holiday when I was 11 years old and, and she got on, I got on a plane all by myself and went to DC and, and, and we spent the week there going through museums and I was in heaven. I mean, most 11 year olds probably aren't interested in art or, you know, at least where I was from, but I couldn't get enough of it. And I just thought, you know, this is, this is it. This is, okay, I'm, this is good enough now. I've had this experience. This is, you know, uh, I'm seeing all this beauty, you know, in one location, um, you know, and it, it changed my, it changed my life. And so when I went into junior high, I, I took all the classes that the school could possibly little school in Manoman could offer. Um, I would skip classes uh, to go to just be in the art room. Wouldn't leave the building. I would just go to the art room. Um, but I had this wonderful teacher there who, um, he wasn't a lot about um, lecture. It was do. Okay, where well, you're going to paint and you're going to paint um, until you're tired of painting. 
But during that process, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and how paints mix and all of that. And so we spent a lot of time just experimenting. And that was his method. But at the same time, we learned a lot about textures, colors, and and all of that. And we learned about um, multimedia um, pieces. And so he was a fantastic teacher because you learned you learned um, as you worked, um, and uh, so he made a you know he made a an important really important um, impact on my life, and um, and I and I was going to go to college to be an art teacher, because after all, you know that's that's what I knew, and and so I I enrolled at Bemidji State University. I didn't even consider any other schools because my sister had gone to Bemidji State, so that's where I go, right? If you have a family member that starts the process, that's who you follow. So mm-hmm. I went to Bemidji State, and and um, and I I remember walking through the walking through the uh, the hallways on campus, and and came to the art department, and um, I walked by. And I went in one of the rooms, just peeked in, and there was a class going on. And I, I froze. And, and at that time, I told myself, oh, no, this is, you know, this is, this is not where you want to be. This doesn't feel right. And so I left, and, and I kept walking. And I ended up uh, going by the radio and television department, and I walked in, and uh, that's where I stayed. And I ended up getting a degree in mass comm and public relations, and I never took an art class. Not even took, I never took one class. And I was thinking about that recently and thought, you know, that was a, that was a good example of paralyzed fear. You know, when I walked in that art room, because that had been my dream for such a long time. I think it was just too, it was too real. And I, I must've been thinking, you know, I'm going to be judged at some point here. <laughs> you know, my artwork's going to be judged <laughs> or at least examined. And, and am, I, am I prepared for that? Um, and so <laughs> I obviously wasn't. And it, it scared me good. So, you know, so I left and never took an art class. And, you know, and of course I regret that. Yeah, at least I should have taken some art courses. <laughs> you know, that would have been fun. Um you know, and it might have changed things for me. I don't know. But I ended up in mass comm and public relations. And I worked in radio for a few years. I did commercial radio. And then I ended up in public radio, um, which I really didn't like because I was in the sales part of it. And in underwriting and, you know, looking for money all the time. And, you know, that got really old. And so I came back to, I call, I call it getting called home. And I think, I think a lot of our people get called home. There's just this feeling one day where you know you're not supposed to be where you're at and you should be home, it would be better. 
And so I left Wisconsin and I came back to uh, Natawash and a job opened up at the local school district in the special education department. And I, um, I applied and, and got that. And I worked in special ed um, for 10 years. Um, but before I, before I, uh, while I was in Wisconsin at the public radio station, um, we, we were going to come, we needed to have a program directory name of the events for the month. And so we heard about this new computer. It was called a Macintosh. We didn't know what that was. So <laughs> we ordered ours and we had to fly. I don't even know where they flew. They had to fly someplace special to pick it up. And it was this box, you know, um, and, but it was the first personal portable computer. They called it portable. <laughs> um, and, and, and so we, we got this computer and we started, I learned how to use this computer and, and started to create the, the radio station's first programming guide. And then that turned into a little monthly newsletter and newspaper and so when I left Hayward, Wisconsin and moved back home, the first thing I had to do was buy one of these computers because I thought, I can't live without this thing. I mean, it's amazing design tools, you know, it can do so much more than anything else that was available at the time. So I spent $3,500 on my first computer. And if, that's, that was a lot of money back in the 80s. I mean, that's like a house, yes, you know, <laughs> and yeah. to take a bank loan and convince the banker that, you know, this is a good thing. And he's going, what's a computer? What, what are you talking about? What are you going to do with it? And I said, well, I'm going to start a newspaper and I'm going to design my own ads. And he said, what? what? He says, okay, go get it. You know, <laughs> so I, I had my $3,500 computer paid off the first year because I had done so many things. But in the process, um, I learned to use this computer and it got me really interested in a different type of art um, and working with graphics and, and all of that. And then that turned into I was so excited about this computer at school that I brought my computer in to show the principal. And he was floored, to say the least. And because the school at that time, they just had the green screen Apple computers, you know, and mm -hmm. now he's looking at something with a mouse and a graphical interface and all of that. <clears throat> and so he said, you know what? I like where you're going. I like what this is all about. He said, would you consider putting together a proposal for our school district for, you know, let's bring in computers, make it big. And so I wrote this proposal for $150,000 worth of computers for the school, got those in. They made me the new technology guru for the school district. And that got me started learning networking and all of that, you know, for the computer. And, and that's, that's essentially what I did from 1985 to 2022. So, um, you know, it was all always about technology and learning technology and learning new things and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, I was I was still doing some art. You know, 
no one knew about it, but I, I was, I was painting and, and I always painted, um, for most of my life, just oils. And, and cause that's what I'd seen in the galleries, you know? And so, you know, I painted, but it was, it was for family, you know, and, and a few friends, um, um, you know, I certainly didn't think that my path, I didn't know enough about, I thought, well, my days are past, you know, I should have, should have went to school for art. I, you know, blew that opportunity and, you know, now it's too late, you know, so I'm just going to enjoy this. And so, you know, I always painted and, and, um, you know, my wife encouraged me. You know, after we met to to keep painting, and um, and I decided to uh, one day to create a website because that's what I'd been doing at work, and I thought I'm going to create a web. I should have a website where I can show my work just to chronicle my work. I don't want to, you know, sell it. I just want a place to know that okay, I painted this on such and such date, and you know, keep track of it that way. So that's what I did, unbeknownst to me that people might find my website. Because that, was, that, wasn't, that wasn't in the thinking, much as less be interested, you know, in, in my work. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what got me to, to kind of where I am today, at least the last seven, eight years. When, when, what's the time frame that you put your website together? So I started um, probably in 2014. That's when I probably started working, uh, getting my website out there and, and, and taking pictures of my old work and placing them out, you know, out there. Um, Karen, Karen Goulet from the Watermark Arts Center, um, I came home one day, still working, came home one day and, and there was this message on the answering machine and she goes, this is Karen Goulet. I didn't know who she, I recognized the name, but I really didn't know of mm -hmm. her. Um, and she said, I'm, you know, with the watermark and I'd like to invite you to submit some of your art for the grand opening of the new Mekanon Gallery in the new Watermark Arts Center. We're having a grand opening celebration. It'll be in about a year. And I'd like to invite you to, to, um, to submit some things for us to consider. And, and so I called her back and I said, well, thank you, but you got the wrong number. You're looking for my brother, Clyde. He's the black ash basket maker. He's the artist in the family, you know, and, and here's his number. And, you know, I know you got the wrong number. And she goes, no, 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 no. Wait, hold up, hold up. She said, no, it's you. I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> you're the one we're interested. She said, I know your brother, Clyde. She said, but you're the one that I'm interested in. And we would like you to submit some work. And I said, uh, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. And can I submit anything I want to submit? Yes, you can do whatever you want. So, okay. So over the next six months, I worked on some pieces, some new three-dimensional pieces. And 
Um, and I, I said, if I'm going to submit something, I'm going to do something, you know, what I really want to do. Just jump out of my box a little bit. And I did. They accepted them. Um, they were on exhibition in the opening and they sold right away. And so I was happy. The watermark was happy. Everyone's happy. <laughs> and, uh, and I was thinking, you know, this, this might, this might be something. What? I could make a couple hundred dollars from selling a painting, you know, um, that's kind of interesting. You know, and um, and then meanwhile, I was my wife and I were teaching at our local charter school. We helped establish a local charter school here in Natawash. And along with the IT work that I was doing, I was doing all the native programming and the grant writing and um, all the data, all the really dry, boring testing, doing all that stuff um, on the other side. I decided to, I got to have fun with this job. So, so I, I decided I'm going to paint with kids. We don't have an art program, so I'm going to start painting with kids. And I'm also going to, you know, establish a robotics team. So we did that as well. Hmm. But the painting came about, I think, because I wanted to show the kids you know what? Just because you're from Natawash doesn't mean you can't do something beautiful in this world. And and I think that's why I, you know, I wanted to make sure that I encouraged them and also challenge me at the same time because I had been hiding this this part of my life for a long time and I, I didn't allow myself to to let that get out there and so you know it was it was not only for me but but I wanted to I, you know I thought I don't want another kid in Natawash to be painting on the side of their barn and wondering you know what's out there you know and, and so the times that I, I would take out of my day and, and, and I would paint with kids and I painted in really small groups, um, that was the first time that I saw um, for myself what, what art can do for trauma. Um, you know, we would hear horror stories, you know, kids would come to school and they would say, you know, my uncle died last night, overdosed in, in my house last night. And, and stories, these stories, um, these traumatic stories. And, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear those stories until the kids could slow down a little bit. And we would, we, they would come in my room. And we, uh, the saying was, when you come down, you calm down. And so we would get together and we'd do a lot of breathing exercises first. And then we would pull out the, the tools and the paints and we would start talking about colors and how we felt for the, how we felt today and what, what color should we use. And, and we'd do step-by-step -step pieces and, and it would get really, really, really quiet in the room. And then kids would start telling their stories about what happened last night. And then you would hear 
from other kids, oh, that happened to you too. You know, and I thought, you know, unless these kids had this opportunity to slow themselves down enough, I don't know if they would be talking about this, you know. And um, so I knew that art could do powerful things. And um, it did for me. It did for me. And um, so, you know, I wanted to make sure that, that um, I at least started an art program or at least provided an opportunity. Um, today, I still have opportunities. I'm done, done as an official educator, but not done teaching. So I still, uh, I still uh, work with students. The, um, the decision to be more public about your artwork, was that influenced by Kieran or was this a process that led up to that? Well, I, you know, this is all new. This was all new, Joe. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have anybody to say, this is how this works. I didn't take a class, you know, <laughs> really didn't know. Uh, Karen was the one that started the ball rolling, the Watermark Art Center. Mm. Um, first of all, to provide a space for Native artists all the time it is just, we're so fortunate to have that close, this close to us. Um, and, um, you know, they've done, and since then, since that first exhibition, when the gallery opened, I've done, um, grew, been part of a group exhibition. Um, also, I've done their membership um, exhibitions, been part of that. Um, this fall, I'm getting ready for a solo exhibition in November um, through February, I believe. So I'm getting ready for that right now. So they've been a huge part of, of encouraging me and, and opening doors for me. Um, Karen has, um, she's a fantastic, an artist who I, I love her work. Anytime mm -hmm. I can see mm -hmm. Karen's work, you know, I'll travel to see it because it's just beautiful work. Um, in the staff at, at the, at the watermark are just fantastic. Um, another Absolutely. person, yeah, another person that has, um, has, Totally, you know, when you're an artist, you, you you can't do this alone. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you think that, if you think, you know what, I'm I'm this introverted person, <laughs> and I'm going to just stay in my studio and I'm going to make this beautiful work, and everyone's going to love it. Uh, no, that's probably not going to work. Um, mm. So you need a you need a. a uh, a network of people. I mean, my success, what I, you know, is, is there's a lot of people in line to making SD paintings available at Plains Art Museum at the, you know, at the fest. You know, there's a lot of people involved in that. One of those people has, has been so so um, important for my business is Joe Allen with the Gajigan Arts Incubator in Manoma. Oh, Joe. He, has, um, he has years and years and years of experience as a, 
as an amazing artist and photographer, um, but also he's done it all. He's written the grants, he's talked with the people, he's sat down with organizations, um, he's worked with galleries, he's worked with nonprofits, he knows all the right people, and he's willing to share that information which is huge. Mm -hmm. Someone who's actually willing to sit down and share all that is, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. And so he's, he's, when he's led me, he and Karen, Karen started the ball rolling, but Joe was the one that led me along the way and, and said, here, try this or apply for this grant. Um, you know, they're looking for, people to exhibit at this, you know, try these things. And for the first year um, or so, he, he was there the whole, he still is, he still is, but he's, you know, it was really important because he led me to the right people and opened a lot of doors. And then once you get in, you get your name out there a little bit, then it kind of can build on its own. But at the beginning, you need people like a Karen Goulet and a Joe Allen who believe in you. That's the thing is 100%. You. And then you have to um, account for that. And what I mean by that is my way to honor Karen and Joe is to do what I say, do what I say I'm going to do. And be where I'm supposed to be when I need to be there. And showing up and following through and doing all of those things. Because I don't want them to be disappointed in me. And I want, you know, I want to set an opportunity, uh, set an example for, for others to follow too. So, um, you know, I want Joe to be able to count on me. And um, the same thing with Karen and the watermark and others that I've met along along the line. But there's a there's a long list of of people who are uh, who are talking about Kent Esty and Esty paintings from the Monoman Arts Initiative to the Region Two Arts Council to um, you know. Minnesota State Arts Board, you know, First Peoples, you know, those are, you need all those, you need that, you know, and I didn't realize that, but you need all of that, but you do, um, if you're mm -hmm. going to do what you're going to do, and, and um, I, I jumped into this sooner than I thought I was going to jump in. I thought I was okay. going to wait till I was 65. I finished out <laughs> working at school and, um, and my long range plan, I took the first people's business leadership course with Karen and Joe. What's your goals? Well, in five years, I would like to be, have an exhibition somewhere, you know, in five years, uh, you know, this, that was the plan. Do all of these things in five mm. years after I, my wife and I retired. Well, after COVID and the stress of COVID and all this stuff, I ended up leaving education early, a little bit earlier than I thought I would. Um, about six months. Or, well, uh, I was 60. I was going to be 62 when I left instead of 65. 
So um, my wife and I had this heart-to-heart talk because she said, no, I'm going to stay. I want to still teach. You know, I want to go until I'm 65. And she said, what are you going to do? You can't just sit. <laughs> I know. I said, well, I'm going to do this art thing full time. I'm just going to start it earlier, you know. And so we got busy. And and over the last year and a half, um, we've built an art business. And it took a lot of handholding, you know, by a lot of people. I wrote a lot of grants, talked to a lot of people, um, have been lots of places. And we've done everything that we possibly can do, if asked, um, you know, that we can. Um, this summer we did 10 10 weekends of art festivals. <laughs> and my, my wife was like, I'm going to go back. I can't wait to go back to work so I can rest. <laughs> so we were gone every weekend, you know, all across Minnesota. But I said, you know, I'm learning that you have to, uh, you have to be willing to talk about your, your work. Um, and be excited about your work, too. Um, Joe, to be really honest with you, I, I looked at, I would go to some of these art fairs and I'd see these booths and I would I'd think, nah, that's not for me. I mean, there's no way. I'm not patient enough to be able to sit behind a table and, and maybe someone will stop and ask me about one of my paintings, I, you know, so there's no way that I can do that. I'm just not patient enough. And I said, that looks like, that looks miserable, you know, without knowing it. So one of the first, one of the first big events was the Indigenous Art Fair at the Plank that we did the first year. And it was nonstop people coming to our booth. And what I learned was that people, if they're going to buy from you, they want to hear the story. They want to hear the backstory. Why did you paint this? Or wh- why these colors? Or what, it, what is this? <laughs> you know, and you get a lot of those too. What the heck is that? <laughs> and, and especially with some of the stuff that I paint. <laughs> but, you know, it was... Uh, it started to be a fun experience and it, um, but more importantly, it became an important experience for us because I had to learn to talk about my work and, and give that, what do they call that? The elevator speech, <laughs> you know, oh, you, got, yes. you know, you just got 90 seconds to talk about this. So, you know, and if and that, we, yep. yeah, and we, and we enjoyed it. And people were buying my work. And then they started to come back. And it's like, what? Yeah, you were here last year. We came back because we heard you're here. And it's like, what? You know, um, I'm still in that stage. You know, I I mean, I've been painting my whole life, but I still, I, I guess I call myself an emerging artist. You know, I mean, I don't know, I can't, <laughs> 63, I don't know what else you, <laughs> but, 
senior art? No, it's not a senior artist. So, um, but, but it still, it still amazes me in this relatively short period of time that people know who I am, especially with social media and all of that. And, um, this summer, when we were out and about, we could be in Hackensack or Edina or Austin and people will go, oh yeah, we heard you were here. So that's why we've come. And it's like, what? <laughs> Where did you find or how did you find me? And, uh, you know, well, we found you on social media and we've been following you and it's like, you know, and it, it, what an honor that is but it's for me it's unexpected because this is all new you know if, if i've been my work had been out there 30 40 years uh, maybe you get used to it i don't know but now it's like what you got <laughs> okay and you you're coming back you're now i have uh my wife becky uh she called she said i don't know if uh Said, I don't know if I'm gonna get used to all these women wanting to take their picture with you in front of one of the paintings that they bought from you. <laughs> I said, Well, hopefully you'll get over it. <laughs> but now now we have, you know, now we have uh, collectors, you know, they're coming. Well, we bought a piece last summer and now we want, you know, and it's like oh, Okay, this is this is happening, and but at the same time, I don't kid myself because it, there's the Joe Allens, the the Karen Goulets, there's Lori at Watermark, there's Joe Williams, there's Region Two Arts Council, there's State Arts Boards, there's all these people that have been talking about Kent Esty at some point. Or they've seen my name in print or, or something. So it's not just me. And look how amazing I am. And I certainly don't feel that. You know, that's not there. It's just, you know what, um, I paint, I guess I, I, my interest is painting what I see. And I think I live in one of the most beautiful, beautiful spots in, in northern Minnesota. And, and everything I paint, all these, and most of them are landscapes. Um, most of what I do is about, you know, sky, land, and water. And my interpretation of that. I just have a never-ending supply. Joe, all I got to do is walk out on my deck in the evening or mornings and there it is you know and people will say well how do you know what to paint and you know and i said well okay i'll tell you my secret and it's my spirituality i said it's it's that moment where i hear from my creator to paint this i said that's what i paint i wait for that moment i said because it doesn't happen all the time but it's this paint this. And I said, those are usually the ones, those are the pieces that are um, the ones that receive really good response. You know, so, um, so my, you know, 
my inspiration is is right out my front door and i've been walking out these same front the same front doors for 63 years so 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 i know this property and this land and these skies and and this this chunk of woods that we own and this you know these streams and lakes this is this is a part of who i am so so i don't have to um it, it doesn't take i don't have to go very far to be inspired i think the um uh, i find too that I'll tell my wife and she knows now what I mean. I say, I need to get away and see water. And she, she you know, didn't understand. Are we going fishing or what are we doing? You know? And, and <laughs> it's like, no, I just need to be near water. And that always clears my mind. Um, if I'm too cluttered and, and it's full of, of doubt and all these things I, just, I need to be by a, and usually we'll end up getting in a car and traveling to Duluth and you know, see big water and um, you know that usually will take care of it and usually take hmm. care of it so hmm. I wanted to congratulate you on your artist fellowship with the region two arts council uh, mm -hmm. that's that's a huge honor and I, I think that's a really wonderful thing that you were recognized for this and as a, this is sort of a segue into a question about how opportunities present themselves to you. Um, I think you're, you're finding yourself in a new world now with this, this uh, art career that you've developed. And how, how are opportunities coming um, to you? And how are you looking for opportunities at this point? Um, well, you know, like I talked about, you know, you need a network of people. And it's so it's so mm -hmm. important. Um, so I get recommendations um, at first, you know, like I said, with Joe through Joe and the Gajigan Arts Incubator. Now that I've been doing it for a little while, I'm starting to get referrals from just being in exhibitions, and my next ex exhibition will come from there, or being out mm -hmm. out um, in the public at art fairs and and those. I get a lot of um, I get a lot of traffic, you know, people coming to my booth and asking for a card and would you be interested in doing this? And, and so that's another reason to get out there. I always tell what I learned, you know, we've had the, we've definitely had those experiences where you set up and you might, maybe you didn't bring the right work or your pricing is off or something and you sell nothing. You know, we've had those days, you know, those, mm. those happen, you know, but, but we've also learned, don't let that change what you're doing. One, don't let one experience totally change your business model either, you know? So, you know, we, it's important for us to get out there. We know, you know, even though we may not sell what we want to sell that day, there still are people that come by and look at your work and grab a card and ask questions and and so many of those those experiences um have led to uh exhibition opportunities and um you know and and so we try to do as many of those um those community celebrations and or art events as we possibly can it's important for me 
just to introduce myself to that community, but also, you know, opening up opportunities down the road. Um, yeah, it's, um, so it, it comes from, you know, having work in galleries, um, having work online, and it's very important to, to, you know, to feed your, your uh, social media. Um, that's, that's huge. Um, also, I've learned that, you know, if you're preparing for a new exhibition, don't put your work out there because then people want to buy it. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. I just learned that last week. <laughs> so, Becky said, don't put your stuff out there because you're going to save that for the watermark. It's sold? Yeah, it's sold. <laughs> so, it's hard to say no to uh, someone who wants to buy one of your uh, originals. But um, I think that's great. I think that's some great advice to like say an 18 to 22 year old is that yeah. if you're prepping for an exhibition, don't sell your work beforehand. Don't all sell the headaches that creates. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> and if Karen's listening, especially for the institution, <laughs> if Karen's listening, don't worry. I've got more coming, so you're, you're fine. <laughs> we'll Karen's on fine. the phone right now. <laughs> So, yeah, but those are things that, you know, we, we had, I've had to learn when I say we, I'm always, I'm always talking about my wife. So, you know, we do this, we're one person now. So it's, you know, I'm always saying we, but she's such a part of what I do. Um, and in the business, this is her last year as I'm teaching and then she'll join me full time. She'll do the business end of this because it, it, (laughs) it can, it can get really busy and it can take two people just the business end. And then you've got the whole, Oh yeah, that's right. I got to paint, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a painter. So why am I staring in front of this screen or, you know, but there's, there's a ton of things that you have to do today to, to have an art business. And it's, it's very, very time consuming. Um, and I'm, I'm always looking for grants. I'm always writing. So, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of it as well, because there's opportunities out there. Um, I'm teaching, I'm teaching classes. I work with um, the White Earth uh, Mental Health and also the Substance Abuse Programs. And I teach, um, you know, uh, three, four hour uh, sessions um just for free to the public um to come and and members of those programs to come and experience something new and that's been mm-hmm. a lot a lot that's been a lot of fun i love those um and so yeah and and then um in the summer i've this summer i completed the second um mural project in downtown Monona. Um, and that was an amazing experience with students. That was a wonderful experience. Um, and, um, and it all adds up. All of these things add up to, I wonder what 
Kent is doing or I wonder what SD Paintings is doing. You know, people inquiring and, and going to your website and and visiting your you know your social media pages and all these little things add up to good. Um, I don't know if I'm doing the right things. You know, I mean, I sometimes I got I bend Joe Allen's ear at Kajigan, you know, and say, "What am I doing? What's what's going wrong? What what should I do next?" And, <laughs> you know, because um, you don't know until you jump in. But we've mm-hmm. learned a lot these last two years. We learned a lot. And, um, yeah, it was, I'm not going to say this was the perfect time to, I'm going to say that this was the perfect time to do this for me, Hmm. you know, because maybe my, my life would have been different, but I don't think Joe, that I would have wanted to miss out on the experiences I had with kids over the last 40 years on my reservation. Maybe if I would have been an full-time artist, you know, in my twenties, you know, who knows, but I, I probably wouldn't have experienced what I experienced too with these kids. So I, I don't, I don't want to say you did the wrong thing. It's just that right now I'm in, I'm really loving what I do and I enjoy all of this because it's, it's that, um, some days I'm still that six-year-old painting on the side of the barn and wondering, mm. you know, will, will anybody like this when I'm painting? Mm. Or will they get yeah. this? Or, or does this yeah. mean anything to anybody besides just me? Am I the only one that can see the blue and the green and the red in this? You know, I'm still that six-year-old, you know, I still have those days. Um, But, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of wonderful people helping me along the way and getting to meet some people that I never thought I would ever get to meet. Um, I wanted to make sure that I talked about George Morrison just for a minute. Um, Absolutely. Because... Um, there was a time in my life, Joe, where I was, um, things started to get really, really dark. And I think it was, um, I blame a lot of this on historical trauma and all sorts of things, things that native people face. And, and, um, in my, a part, a, a big part of my story is a recovery story as well. And so, you know, that's played a huge role um, in, in what I paint today and why I paint what I paint today. But um, there was a time where when I first started painting and getting some of my work out there, I got comments from people like, well, can you paint something Indian? You know, you're native, so can you put something Indian in that. And I, I struggled with that for a long time because uh, I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge in my background to, 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 to counteract those feelings and say, no, this is who I am as an artist. You know, this is who I want to be. And this is who I, I didn't have that. I thought, 
No, you, you've got to be this. You have to, if you're going to be a native artist, then you have, your, your, your work has to look traditional. Because that's what all I had seen growing up. And, <clears throat> but I, I struggled with that because in my head, I was seeing something totally different. And so my reaction, you know, when people would say, well, you know, put an eagle in there. You know, put a put a teepee in there, put a put a wigwam in there, you know. And I did. I did that for a long time. And then finally I just I couldn't do it anymore. Because it 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 was a stretch for me. And I I didn't feel comfortable in that. Not that there wasn't anything wrong with it. Not nothing whatsoever. It just that it wasn't wasn't me. And so I quit painting. I totally quit painting. And, you know, as if you know artists and you know artists have to create. And, and I think if you're, if you're an artist and you're not creating, you're probably in a really dark place, you know? It's not a good place yeah. to be. So I was there and a lot of anxiety, depression, alcohol was a big part of my life, a daily life. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on what was missing. And I felt lost, you know, I, uh, I felt lost in, in what I wanted to do. And should I really be teaching? Should I, you know, I want to do art, but I don't want to do that now. What's going on? I told my wife, I said, let's, let's get in a plane or car let's go visit some museums. Let's look at art. Let's find some native artists. And I don't remember exactly where we were, but we found uh, George Morrison, his work. And honest to God, when I saw his work, I, I was, I was, it took my breath away because it was one of those moments where you, it's a revelation of this is what art can be at the right moment and right time. And I was just enthralled with this, this work. And I, and I bought his, um, his, his, the books about him and read everything I could possibly read about him and studied his work. By this time, he was gone. He wasn't with us. But I, you know, I did as much as I could. And wherever we would go, wherever we would travel, we would look for George Morrison's work. And, um, you know, in, in reading his biography, the thing that stood out for me was, you know, him saying, I'm not a Native American artist. I'm just an artist who happens to be Native American, or to those, yeah. those words. And that, that was the right thing at the right time exactly the right thing at the right time and 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 through his work and 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 reading his words i realized that artist is also about honoring your heritage by expressing your feelings and showing your feelings on canvas and so he gave me permission to start painting again he was the one his his work his words 
were was the reason I started picking up the paintbrush again. And I and I told myself, okay, Kent, if you if you do this, if you're gonna jump back in, then you're not gonna paint for anybody else anymore. You're just gonna paint for you. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, who cares? You're just gonna paint for you. And so I let go of all of those, put an in something Indian in it <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, and worrying about what others, and I just painted what I wanted to paint. And that's when I started to get noticed. That's what it took. So, you know, I tell people today, if I hadn't found George Morrison's work, I don't know if I'd be painting today. I really don't. I, you know, it was the right person at the right time with the right artwork, with the right words. And he, he wasn't even with us, you know, he was already gone. <laughs> that, that brought me out of uh, where I was. And um, so, um, so I, uh, you know, it's an honor. Um, I try to honor, you know, his memory. Um, uh, one of the coolest things that happened was um, a couple of things. I was invited to submit a piece of artwork at all my relations in Minneapolis, and it was it was his hun uh, the hundredth I don't remember some anyway it's a celebration um, honoring George Morrison, and um, and I submitted a piece and it was selected and we went to the gallery and there was my piece and then on either side of my piece were two George Morrison's pieces. Wow. I was like, oh man, wow. okay, this is this is it now. Okay, you've done you you've got enough. That was enough. And mm. and then um, this last spring, early summer, I was um, had an exhibition at the Eco Gallery in Duluth, Indian Housing Corporation's gallery. And um, on the opening night of the exhibition in reception, his son um, played guitar. Um, That's right, he's a musician. Yeah, at at my reception, and I'm thinking, wow, okay, you know, this is this is good. This is all good. How those things, you know, how those things can happen, you know, and there's it's so encouraging, you know, for a for a brand new artist who is late fifties, sixty, to have their work hanging next to somebody's that you admire so greatly. You know, what that does to a person, you know, it just, um, and I hope, you know, I, I, when I was at the watermark, um, my wife taught at that time was teaching fourth grade. And, and I said, you know, let's, our, these kids, they never get to galleries or museums or anything, you know? And I said, let's, let's take them to Bemidji and we'll go to the watermark can spend you know some time there and i said but we're not going to tell them that i'm on exhibition there you know they don't know that so <laughs> so we loaded up this fourth grade class and we took them to the gal watermark and they walked in and and there they see my name they had my name way you know big letters and <laughs> the name of the exhibition and they were like what they you know, what you're a you're a real artist. 
<laughs> they had no clue, you know. And how fun it was for them, I think, and fun for me to watch um, that someone that they knew, you know, could be an artist and and be hanging on the walls and and Bemidji and and that they could do that too, you know. And um, so I hope it encouraged them, you know, to, to go ahead and do, you know, because um, I know my work hanging next to George Morrison's surely, surely um, made an impact on me. That's for sure. That's incredible. That, that image that you lay out there, that's, that's something really special. So what would you say to the 18 to 22 year old that's listening to this conversation or the aspiring artist who's debating whether or not to take that jump? Well, you don't have to wait till you're 60. You know, but it, but it's okay if you waited that long too, you know, I mean, why not? Um, I guess the, the, what I would say um, would be don't hide. You know, please don't hide. You know, challenge yourself to be more than, you know, than who you are and where you are today. You know, I could, like I still, like I said, I still battle that six-year-old painting the side of the barn, you know, because there's a side of me that says, you're not supposed to talk about that. Or, you know, yeah, I don't know if your grandmother would have talked about, you know, you're talking about your art a lot. You know, should you be doing that? You know, those are things, those, those tapes play. And then I realized, mm -hmm. absolutely, I need to be talking about my art. Because who, who, who is going to do it for you if, you, if it doesn't begin with you? And so I need to be talking about my art. I'm proud of my work and, I, and I'm proud of what I do. And, um, and I don't want to stay that little six-year-old painting on the side of the barn, you know. Um, there's so much, you know, that it can be overwhelming, though. This can be an overwhelming because ultimately this is a business. And that's how I see it anyway. I mean, if, if you want to supplement your income, you know, or your teaching salary or, or whatever by art, then you, you got to be out there. You got to be talking about yourself mm -hmm. a lot in, in, you know, in places like in forums like this, um, in writing grants and talking to gallery owners. Um, all of that is a part of it. Um, and, and like I said, once you get started, other people will talk about you too. You know, but it's got to start with you, you know, in that belief that, okay, you know what, if, I, if I'm going to do this, um, then, then I'm going to have to talk about this and be comfortable talking about that. Um, my wife and I had this conversation about where do you want to go after Watermark? 
because that was I thought was a fluke. You know, I thought, well, you know, just Karen, <laughs> and maybe, you know, <laughs> and it was my first experience. And I and she said, well, if you were to do this, where would you want to? What do you want to do next? And I said, well, okay, let's go north. I said, I would like to be in the next five years. I'd like to be at the McGrosty in Grand Rapids. And then I'd like to be in Duluth. And I'd like to get into Minneapolis. And maybe someday I would like to apply for one of those grants that I heard about. And all of that happened within the next year or so. And one, by the way, one of those things was I said, I want to be on Five Planes Questions. There we go. <laughs> that was one of my goals, my five-year goals. And so that's happened a lot sooner than five years. So it, you know. That's great. Yeah. Those, all of those things, Joe, happened. And, and I, and I thought wow, this is, you know, this is something else. And, and then to have things like uh, when we were, when I was on exhibition in, in Duluth, have the governor be there and see my work and have, you know, um, be a lieutenant governor wearing one of my scarves and, you know, those mm. types of things. It's like, wow, how does this happen? You know, how, mm. and, but how quickly things can happen. And, yeah. and the right person comes along. And you don't know when that's going to be. That can totally change. There's been people that dropped into my life in the last year that have totally changed the way I do things and how I think about this being a business and where we want to go in the future. And so you don't know when those people are going to be there. So be prepared. That's what I would say to people. Forget about, um, put aside for a minute, even if you have to pretend, put aside your, um, your fears about talking about your work and yourself. Practice that because you don't know when that person's going to come along and, and say, wow, we, you know, we want to invest in your work. And um, you just don't know when that's going to happen or when those people are going to show up. And so we, we try to be as prepared as possible and we try to honor our, our requests and honor our commitments is important. Um, try to keep up with your social media. But also, you know, time. You can also get really, really busy in social media and do all these things and then not have creative time so you know it's a balance there's a balance there and i'm really looking forward to becky being retired at the end of this school year and uh, she'll be able to join me and do some of these other things that take up my day um, i'm building a building a studio um in the next uh, it'll be coming in we're hauling it in in about a week uh, big building. I've been watching and, your process. Yeah, so it's we're going to put in a, a studio because people are saying now, um, I where can I see your work? Where can I come to see your work? And I'm saying, well, you have to wait till I'm at Fargo at the Plains Art Museum. I'll be there, you know, in April 
or, you know, or I'm going to be at Eden Prairie, you know, in August. And so we're getting requests now um, to come and, and see examples of my work. So, so there'll be a, there'll be a, we're excited because it's going to be a, a studio space, a painting space, and also um, it'll be big enough to have a little showroom there too. So, yeah, so that's, that's our, our next step. That's our next stage in life here. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been good. Um, but it's, it was that fear, you know, don't, don't be afraid. Just jump in, jump in. That's what I tell people. Jump in and, and try it. You've been kind of ahead of the curve on me on my questions, which oh. is great. It's always a sound of a great interview because my question was, uh, where, where can our listener find you? Where can they see your work? Um, let's see. The best place always, I guess, is, um, my websites. Um, you can find me at sdpaintings.com and you can also find me at kentsd.com. Both of you will lead to the same spot. Um, my social medias are sdpaintings, um, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find me there, of course. Um, currently I'm getting ready for an exhibition, uh, this fall at, uh, the Watermark Art Center, a solo exhibition, um, working on that. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Um, also, uh, getting ready to work with the homeless coalition, uh, through the region two arts board, um, the guest artist for working with the homeless. Um, and we're going to be doing seven weeks of painting and um and then at the end um the homeless clients will be able to present their work in an exhibition space and um so i'm getting excited about that that's going to be fun um so let's see where else can i be seen um primarily you know a lot of we've had a busy summer this last year we did 10 10 um events community events i did four exhibitions this last year so i'm kind of winding down but that means i'm going to get creative time <laughs> get painting time which i'm which i'm looking forward to you know because because I, I need that you know for sure so, um, yeah, so those are the things that are coming up, you know, um, we've got a few, uh, things going on yet this fall, uh, a couple events that we're doing that we're looking forward to. So, so yeah, I, I mean, we, we try to keep, we try to say yes to as many things as we possibly can. Um, and, um, it's, it's important. Well, Kent, thank you so much for this. This was this was a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed having you on here. Thank you. It's it's been it's been my pleasure. And like I said, this was one of the things I wanted to do. It was on my list. Uh, maybe someday, and now it's happened. So that's great. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Kent again for his time and sharing his story with us there's something to be said where it's never too late to follow your dreams, to 
to listen to that intuitive voice in your head that says that you, if you have a passion for something, to follow it, to to pursue it, and that maybe you've been in your career for 20 years, uh, you or you're in your second career now, and yet you still feel like you're missing something, that you need to be doing something. And Kent is a perfect example that not only can you just start this new day following your dream, but that there is success and enjoyment for years that will follow. Kent, <laughs> by no means, is an elder. Uh, he's, he's in midlife right now. He's doing his thing. Uh, but it's it's great to hear, especially personally for myself, because um, I can relate to the story on my own level, where you get involved in a career, you're pursuing something, and you've always ha- you always have this lingering question about whether you can pursue this. Are you too old to pursue this? Is it too late to pursue this? And Kent answered that question by saying, it is not too late. The next day, the new day is, is, is yours to create. And he is killing it right now. If you're in Minnesota and in North Dakota, you can't deny the work that he's doing. He's really, really amazing. So I, I urge you to go check him out, check out his work. And, you know, it's, it's great to see an emerging artist and a rising star in our area. And I can't wait to see what happens for him next. It's absolutely well-deserved. So, Kent, thank you for this conversation. And I will be seeing you this spring at the Indigenous Art Fair at the Plains Art Museum. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So, please, join us next time as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page, our Instagram account at Five Plain Questions Podcast, or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Well, you take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.